Today's scripture reading is from the Good News According to Mark, chapter 1, beginning at verse 9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirits descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. And the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, <clears throat> and was with the wild beasts and the angels waited on him. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to, Gal to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O oh Lord, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. We pray that you would come to us through the hearing of your word that these ordinary human words might become infused with your Holy Spirit and might open our ears, our eyes, and our hearts to your work in the world. Come to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So when I think of baptisms, I think of Sunday mornings, cozy in the church sanctuary, Parents grinning nervously by the baptismal font. Joyce or Kara with the wireless mic introducing candidates. Congregation excited, proud, you know, 50-50 chance that the baby's going to start crying, but either way, it's going to be pretty cute. Baptisms have been some of my most gratifying experiences as a minister. One of the things I miss the most about pre-COVID times actually are baptisms. They were, they've always been very lovely. And I wouldn't trade these experiences for anything in the world, but they're pretty tame <laughs> compared to Jesus' baptism. Don't you think? Here in Mark's gospel, Jesus just shows up out of nowhere on the banks of the Jordan River and there on the bank, he's dunked by John the Baptist. And when Jesus splashes up for air, it says that he sees the heavens torn apart. The skies ripped in half. And then through this cosmic tear in the sky, the Holy Spirit swoops down like a dove and lands on him, lands in him. Cue the voice from heaven that says, you are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. It's all certainly a bit more dramatic than reading our baptismal vows off of a PowerPoint slide. And if the baptism itself weren't exciting enough, take a look at the post-baptismal ritual. Immediately, it says, immediately the Spirit drives Jesus into the wilderness for 40 days. 
We're not talking beautiful British Columbia, neat and tidy provincial campground wilderness here. We're talking about the desert. We're talking about little food, not much water, and plenty of dangerous animals. And not only that, but in this wilderness, it says, Jesus is tempted by Satan, by the devil, and ministered to by some angels. So instead of gathering for family photos with the minister, or sharing in some homemade cookies and sipping coffee in the fellowship hall following the service, Jesus is shoved by the Holy Spirit, shoved out into the desert where he goes head to head in spiritual combat with the prince of darkness himself for six weeks, minus Sundays. That was a Lent joke. Lent joke for you. All the while given some tender, loving care and courtesy of some heavenly beings. I mean, could you imagine if after a baptism, a couple of the elders just grabbed the parents, you know, and the baby and or maybe the adult candidate for baptism and just shoved them into a van, dropped them off in the North Island bush. <laughs> then imagine that as they peeled away on the logging road, they shouted something like, I'll see you in 40 days. Careful, this is bear country. And watch out for Satan's crafty machinations. Don't worry though, some angels will be by soon with some supplies. Bye. I mean, we'd get counted as a cult for sure. This is all exciting stuff. And sometimes when I read stuff like this in the Bible, I find myself wishing I could have the same kind of experience. I long for the heavens torn open encountered with the Holy Spirit. I'd love to prove my spiritual mettle through self-discipline. I want to battle the forces of darkness and come out triumphant, just like Jesus. But there I am, waiting in line for groceries with my mask on. Or maybe I'm shoveling snow, or I'm doom scrolling through Facebook for a lot more time than I'd like. This stuff in scripture makes my life, especially my spiritual life, seem rather bland and considerably less than heroic in comparison to Jesus's. It just, Jesus' baptism was just a more exciting <laughs> event than ours or ordinary lives. Something to keep in mind though, is that we're hearing this text through the voice of the finished story. We're hearing it the way that the gospel writer wants us to hear it, the Holy Spirit's final draft. If you will, it would have been totally different firsthand, and we have the indications of this in the text itself. Sure, Mark paints Jesus' baptism as this cataclysmic cosmic event where the skyline's ripped in half, where a bird-shaped spirit of God dives down in a James Earl Jones-style voice, echoes through the heavens, claiming Jesus as his son. But in Jesus' account, or when in, in Mark's account, Jesus is the only one who actually hears or sees any of this. If you're an onlooker at this scene, 
all you see is some bearded guy in a robe mumble some words and then push another guy under the water. And then the guy comes back up again. Think about the wilderness journey too. Half a chapter is devoted to Jesus' temptation in both Luke and Matthew. Jesus goes back and forth in full conversation with the devil. But in Mark's version, we've got barely anything by way of description. All we have is this long sentence that says, he was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. Mark's a minimalist. He's kind of like the biblical Marie Kondo. Yeah, somebody got that at least. <laughs> this does not spark joy. Cross it out. No. <laughs> Here we're privy to even fewer details than at the baptism. Jesus, or again, the particulars of the experience are left to Jesus alone. If you pay attention to this whole episode, you'll realize that firsthand, it might have seemed pretty mundane. Just a couple guys splashing in the water. One of them wanders off to the desert for 40 days to return. No split in the sky. No dove. No heavenly voice. No horned devil dressed in red. Just water, sand, and wild animals. If you were there, you might be as skeptical as any 21st century person is today. But here we're presented with both the function and the genius of the Gospels. Again, the Gospels being the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you know that song, all them prophets are dead and gone. Anyway, keep your hand on the plow. Anyway. These texts are simply first, aren't simply first-hand reportage and eyewitness version of events for the local newspaper. These stories, while they are about history, are intended to give us a spirit-breathed interpretation of reality. They pull back the curtain on the ordinary events of history to reveal their true meaning. All we see is a guy with a beard pouring on a, water on another guy in a river. But it's also the moment in time where God's own spirit, the life-giving electricity at the heart of creation, surges forth into the world and through this ordinary first-century Jew, Jesus of Nazareth. It's where this ordinary-seeming man is awakened to the extraordinary identity, his extraordinary identity, as the Messiah, the Christ, the one sent by God to set all things right. All we see is in an ordinary journey into the bush where we might cross off 40 days on a calendar, but it's also the moment where the divine son is propelled by that same spirit into battle with the hidden forces that wreak havoc with sin, evil, and injustice in the world, the, 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 the powers that keep human life in bondage. A battle where goodness has not only survived the test, but has won a decisive Victory, And after that, the sun reemerges into civilization, proclaiming this good news and invites others to whole new lives in its light. This text wants to open our eyes. It wants to get us at the hidden spiritual reality of things that we can't usually see. And not just in ancient times, but the truth that's concealed and flowing under the surface of reality here 
and now. Whether it's in a simple, gentle, but lovely baptism, or way off in a desert. Whether it's in the wilderness, the literal wilderness, or the God-forsaken times and places where God seems absent, hidden, rather in your, than in your face and obvious. Whether it's in feelings of hunger or fear, or times of anxiety, places of injustice, suffering or despair. This text tells us that God is not hiding somewhere beyond the clouds, aloof, but this God's willing to tear apart the space-time continuum to be with us, even in the woundedness of our hearts and the brokenness of our human condition. And this God's not only with us in life struggles, this God is going to bat for us in them too. Friends, I know that our world can seem so disenchanted, so ordinary, especially now. I mean, like I said, we may be beginning the season of Lent, but this whole year has been so Lenty, and it's depriving us of simple joys, and it's stripping down of so many of the things that give us meaning in our lives, that there are days that, where it's hard to find, where it's hard enough to imagine that there's anything more to what we see, let alone the hand of divine providence guiding us towards something good and beautiful. It's true. It's true, but this is exactly why we've been given the gift of the scriptures and blessed with the long memory of the church to get under the surface of things, especially in difficult times, to remind us of the one in whom we move and live and have our being. When we feel like the only beings living or moving among the galaxies and to reassure us that even when we can't see, touch, or feel his presence, when water just looks like water, when a desert looks like nothing but a pile of sand, and our bodies seem like little more than bags of meat, even when we can't muster an ounce of strength to believe in her very existence, even then there is indeed a God, a God who's on the loose in our rather ordinary, often uninspiring, and sometimes frightening world. A God who is obscenely generous in love, sovereign over sin, and capable of generating new life in the desert of strife for all who repent, for all who are willing to have their minds changed and simply believe and trust. So, brothers and sisters, may you be given the grace to see below the surface of things. May you be given the gift of sight that Jesus was given at his baptism. Though our eyes made blind by sin, this glory we may not see. And may you be given the strength of God's own powerful presence, especially in times of powerlessness. May you step out your door and into our world as it truly is the realm of God's triumphant grace, the running route of the living Christ, and the joyous playground of the Holy Spirit. Not only today, but every day, this season of Lent and every season under the sun. Amen.
Oh. <laughs> 